your positive, positive, positive imprint. Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine Praisewater with Your Positive Imprint. Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Well, I was out in Moscow, Idaho, and I found some wonderful positive imprints out there. And I had the newspaper, and I was reading an article written by Michelle Schmidt there of the local newspaper in Moscow titled Breaking Our Throwaway Habit. Well, the article was about an event that was going to take place in Moscow during the same time frame that I was going to be there. Well, it's about a repair cafe, or the event was a repair cafe. I have never heard of a repair cafe, so I went to the internet. Have you ever heard of a repair cafe? I had not. On the internet, I learned so much information. Well, it was actually started, it's global, by the way, it is global. So it was started in 2009 in Amsterdam, over in Europe, by Martine Postma, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, but she started it because she wanted to find a way to, just ways to be more sustainable. And so she started this first repair cafe and it just went global. It is all over the world. Jackie Carter of Moscow, Idaho, opened up the first repair cafe for Idaho. There are ways that you can open up a cafe, and I know that this episode will just inspire you to want to do so. And Jackie Carter will share ways on just how you can do that. You can also go to my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can learn more about Jackie Carter, my guest today, as well as Repair Cafe and how to begin one. And please remember to give a positive review and hit that positive button and subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. Get inspired. What's your PI? And we're sitting here in the beautiful Moscow Library, and this is Jackie Carter. Hi. Hi, Jackie. It's so exciting, and this article is just phenomenal. So first off, let's kind of go backwards before we get to the Repair Cafe, and find out why you became interested in a, oh, and you'll hear the background noises of a library as they deliver books, and there's lots of people upstairs. So it's always exciting to hear the noises and the, I shouldn't say noises, but the sounds of our humankind nature. So when we're in the library, so we'll hear some of the book carts, which is pretty cool. So what got you into conservation? Well, you know, I I wouldn't say that I really am that type of person that uh, thinks about those things a lot. I, I try to, I, you know, as a just a conscientious human, I try to do as much as I can. But I feel like, you know, I've never done enough. I, ne- I feel like I've never contributed that way um, very much. I first heard about the Repair Cafe movement. Um, I was on Facebook about two years ago, and I, someone, I came across an article, and I'd never heard of it before, and I read it and read what it was about, and I thought, that's the perfect kind of thing for this community. Um, Moscow is 
very much oriented that way. I think uh, sustainability is a really big deal here. We have several groups, local groups that uh, we have a like I think a sustainability coalition or something. What is it called? Environmental, yeah, the Palouse Environmental Sustainability Coalition. And then there's also the uh, Palouse Clearwater Environmental Institute, which is a local educational facility, you know, just making sure that uh, people are conscious about what they can do locally. So it just seems like more people here are apt to... They're more apt to be more environmentally conscious? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just thought that would be a really cool thing to do. And I liked the idea. So where did you, thing. so you were on Facebook. So was it just a, an ad? I mean, how did, you know, I don't even remember where I came across it. I, uh, somebody, either somebody posted it or it was just something that popped up on my newsfeed, but I, um, I read it and I, I, I think I reposted it and I said, this is something that would be really great here in Moscow. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had no idea how to implement something like that. You know, I'm the kind of person that throws a party and nobody comes. So I, thought <laughs> I could never do that. And I wouldn't know how to get started anyway. And then about a year later, I was at uh, the Pacific Northwest Library Association Conference, and which is just, you know, every region has its own library conference annually. And there was um, a library, I think, from Red Deer, Alberta, in Canada. And they put on one of their, their seminar was uh, how to do a repair cafe in a library. Oh. And it occurred to me that the whole time the answer was right underneath my feet. I work in a library and this is the kind of thing that would go very well. And it was nice to sit in that seminar because they talked about how they did it, what kind of things to expect, uh, you know, basically all of the steps that you needed to go through to make it work. So I was very excited about it, and I came back and I talked to my director, and she said, I think this is great. So they took it to our Friends of the Library group, and they were immediately very enthusiastic and on board, and they gave me a budget. And so it just, that's how it started. And so, wow. I mean, I just kind of dove in. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I, I'm a person that kind of, I like to make lists. So I, I have this, this book, uh, the Moska notebook full of just lists of things. And that's, a, tried that's to quite organize. a large, that's quite a <laughs> well, it's, book. It's, it's not just Repair Cafe. It's just how I live my life. <laughs> but, you know, and the, the best thing was that people were so enthusiastic and so open to it that it, made it feel much easier to do. I didn't feel like I was hitting any kind of resistance at all. It was just people were very open to the idea. So it wow. kind of went from there. That, now that's, that is exciting. And so do you know the history of the Repair Cafe? A little bit. I mean, just what I've read, uh, it was started in 2009 in Amsterdam by a woman named Marie Postma. I hope I'm saying that right. She's Dutch. And I think right now, globally, there are about 1,600 repair cafes. Most of them are in Europe, I think. Yeah, but there are some in the United States as well. And, and we need to get more. Right. And with this podcast and you telling how you did it, maybe there are yeah. others who will be inspired to set up a repair cafe. It's I a really so. exciting thing. So. Yes, it is. It's, uh, I think it's growing because just from what I've seen, just we put on our first one in October and patrons were coming in and saying this is a great idea. I love this idea. 
and then, you know, on social media, also people are very enthusiastic and like, this is such a great idea. Let's, you know, this is, this needs to be happening everywhere. And if you look at the, there's a, on the website for Repair Cafe, there's a, a global map and you can narrow it down to the U.S. And there are a lot of them in bigger cities, especially in the east and the northeast. Not a lot out here in the west. So, you know, there's a few in Southern California and I think uh, a few in Seattle, the Seattle area. But I, it's something I'd like to see happen. Oh, I would too after reading this article. And, yeah. And, uh, yes. So, okay, so how you went to this conference. Mm-hmm. And so what was your first step to get it going, aside from going to the conference? And getting the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much money? So to run something like this, is it super expensive? I mean, you don't have to give an, a dollar amount, but right. is it super expensive? I don't think so because, I mean, I was given a budget and I was all excited. I'm like, okay, we need this and this and this. And then I realized later that a lot of the things that I purchased were not necessarily things we maybe needed. I was thinking we needed to have all the tools. And it's nice to have like a toolkit and basic tools, but when we had our first one and people showed up, they brought their own tools. People bring their own stuff and they were so enthusiastic. And we have a, a volunteer who he he was doing the um, small appliances and electronics. And he's, I think he's an engineer. And I mean, he had bags of things and just all this stuff that he brought in, you know, every kind of specialized tool you could think of. And he was one of the volunteers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he had this big toolkit of everything he needed. And so that's really exciting. And everybody said, oh, you don't need to, I can bring that. I I have a soldering iron. I have this and this and this. So that's the the good thing about this is the volunteers, most of them are already tinkerers. And they like to do this kind of thing. So they they have the basic tools. They have the things they need. So I guess as far as what it costs to get started, our biggest cost was the venue because the library does not have a space big enough to uh, host something like this. So I had to pay for a venue and then, you know, little, little things here and there. We did, I did uh, invest in a lot of different types of like glues and adhesives and things like that because I want us to have a, a station where people can go, you know, everybody has that one item at home that needs a special glue, but they don't want to go out and buy it just for this one thing. So they can bring this in and it can be, they can get it glued. So explain what the Repair Cafe is exactly. So it's just a place where uh, it's free to the public. They can come in and bring a broken item. There will be someone there, hopefully, that has the knowledge and the skills to repair it. But also we want the visitors to learn how to repair things themselves so that they can start to think about their belongings differently. Like, you know, this isn't something I just toss away. It's, it can probably be fixed. There are resources out there. And most people, we've gotten away from that mindset, I think. And putting things in the trash or giving it to right. a Goodwill Center and it's gone out right. of our sight and we go or buy Or just tossed into a landfill. The common mindset now is, and I think we've been driven into this idea that you buy something and it's only supposed to last a couple of years and then you just get the newest model, the next, you know, and that benefits the manufacturers, but it costs us money and it fills up 
landfills and it causes problems for the environment. And I think we're, we're battling that all the time, trying to get people past that and to just realize that there's another alternative out there. We have the repair cafe. We know what the repair part is. So what's the cafe? So it's uh, literally just a place, a little corner or a table that uh, people can sit and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or, you know, a cookie, something like that. And there's a reading table. That's where the library comes in handy because I can bring books from the library on repair and how to repair different types of items. They can sit and they can look at books and they can sip their coffee and relax while they're maybe while they're waiting to get their item repaired. Or maybe there's something else they have at home that they want to know how to fix so they can just peruse the library and I have amazing coworkers, and one of them, she's like, I, I don't know how to fix anything, but I'm really good at rallying the troops. So she uh, has recruited everybody else to, every, okay, you need to bake two dozen cookies. You need to bake two dozen cookies. <laughs> and so they, they bring them all, and so there's enough for everybody to eat. And what we had left over last time, we sent home with volunteers, so it's a bonus. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that is a nice bonus. I'm going to go back to your conference mm-hmm. again. So you... You had to get a budget, mm-hmm. a venue, mm-hmm. and then how did you advertise for volunteers? Um, that's interesting <laughs> because <laughs> this is a small community and I've lived here forever and you just, you know people and you know people who know people. So I started making phone calls and saying, hey, I know you know how to do this. Do you think you could help me out? And people were like, yeah, I can do that. The uh, my coworkers were amazing. There's uh, someone here today who he's a retired veterinarian, and he just took a part-time job working at the library because he was, you know, wanted to do something and, and give back. Probably. Yeah, and it turns out that he is also pretty good at fixing electrical things. So, so he's like, yeah, I'll anything. help you out. Yeah, okay. and then the first article came out in the paper, and one of my friends posted it on Facebook and one of her friends immediately said I want in on this I love to fix things how can I get involved in this and it's just been like that kind of thing my husband he can fix most things so he goes kind of from place to place and then one of his co-workers he works at the university he fixes furniture so he's going to help us out this this is our first furniture repair uh event where well, this is only our second event but it's uh the first time we're having furniture so he's going to help out with that and oh so people might bring their furniture in their right. back of their truck yeah hopefully so all right so then you gathered volunteers mm-hmm. and then did you have to get approval from the city at all no so it, it it's just a non well it's not even non-profit because you're right. not accepting any money just Items to be fixed. Right. And I so I guess what I was trying to say with the budget is I don't think you really need that much to get started. Only the venue. That was your biggest cost. So if- well, and then you also, if you go through Repair Cafe, because there are other programs out there that are similar, I decided to use the, the Repair Cafe model because you can purchase a, a digital kit from them. And it's, it's kind of the original. And they you can download all of their materials that tell you how to get started and how to do this. And you have access to the logo and all the signs and everything. And so it's, it's branded. And I really liked the model. I liked the way that they did it. And the conference that I attended was also about actual repair cafe, but there are other, other 
models and programs out there that people can do. So it's, I mean, it's really, it's, it just depends. So I think if you lived in a community where you, you know, had a place to do this, I know some places in California have done them outside during the summer. Really, it's not going to be much of a cost other than and the fun part is you get materials. to meet people. Exactly. So it becomes social also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, especially in this town, it seems like everybody knows everybody else, at least by sight. And uh, that was the fun thing about the, the first repair cafe. I don't think there was a person that walked in the door that I didn't recognize. I mean, it wasn't huge. We didn't have a lot of people for the first one. It wasn't uh, that well attended well, but you but it, it was a start time. it takes time I kind of purposely kept it that way for the first one because I just it was our first one and I wanted to kind of feel things out and kind of it was sort of a test run really so kind of work out the glitches right and see what to expect so such. this is our our first real one and the response has been really amazing so you're not doing just furniture tomorrow you've added we've added the furniture so there's uh, small appliances small electronics Okay. And then we have a, a clothing and textile, which I think is always going to be popular. People always have, you know, there are people who don't know how to sew on a button. Right. Um, zippers and things that need to be patched and hemmed. And and then people can bring in, you know, socks that need to be darned. Nobody darns socks anymore. It's like throw them away and buy a new pair. We are also adding a knife and scissor sharpening station. Oh, my God. That's, it yes, is exciting. That's, that would be. Yeah. Do they have sewing machines? They do. We have my uh, one of my volunteers for the clothing and textile station. She owns a local alteration shop, and she was very enthusiastic about doing this. She said she does things like this occasionally, like at the university, you know, little clinics showing people how to fix their own things. So she, she came, and she has, like, this amazing kit that's just got every kind of thing you would need to, like, you know, zippers and all kinds of things that she can replace or snaps and things like that and she has uh, a sewing machine and then we borrowed an extra sewing machine from the high school you know volunteers show up with things like that and that's awesome yeah it works out well that's very very interesting and it's so wonderful that you have this workforce of volunteers and Moscow what is what's the population now it's about 27,000 people. That's not including the university. Okay. Yeah. So, and when you include the students, then that's another 20,000? Oh, maybe, yes. Probably, probably doubles the population. Yeah. Wow. And so you've, well, I'm anxious for tomorrow because I'm going to go tomorrow and I'll Mm -hmm. record some of what's happening. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that's just going to be exciting. Yeah. And so do you have, when you buy the kit, Repair Cafe. Repair Cafe. Do you have any networking or communication with anybody or you just buy the kit and you're on your own? The only, I mean, you can, you get put on their map. So people can go to their website oh. and there's a thing okay. you can click that says. I did says, see that and Moscow cafe- is the only yeah. one in Idaho. It is, yeah, so far. But right after we had our first event, there was an article that I wrote in the paper for the library column and then when we had our event, we had a reporter show up, a reporter and a photographer, and so there was an article in the paper. And I heard from other libraries, uh, one in southern Idaho, one in Texas, and they said, we want to do this. How do we get started? And so I wrote up this sort of a... guideline. Gu- well, steps. yeah, sort of a, a little, yeah, 
I don't know, I, I kind of threw it together at the last minute, but I've sent it out several times showing, you know, telling people, this is what I did. This is how I found my volunteers. This is how I, uh, this is how I got started. This might work for you. This is what didn't work. This is what did work. This is what I would do differently. And I'm hoping for more of that. These were both libraries that I heard from. And actually, I think there was a third place in Canada that uh, also contacted me, but I don't think they were a library. I want people to know that they don't have to be associated with a library to do this. Anyone can start one of these. This just happened to be the path that I took because yeah. it was it worked for me. Most of them, in fact, I think are just, you know, private citizens who just say, hey, we need to do this. I think this is a great idea. I think this is this is wonderful. I, I oh my gosh, I thought <laughs> I was very well informed about, you know, goings on because I'm always looking for, for positive imprints around the mm -hmm. world. I had never heard of the Repair Cafe. So Most people I'm, haven't. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have learned about it because I, I would really like it to be widespread and, and become more widespread. Yeah, right. The the example I like to give is, and this won't mean anything to anybody who's probably under 40, but there used to be the Maytag commercials with the Maytag repairman, and he was lonely because <laughs> <laughs> because the, uh, the washing machines and dryers were so well made and they were so reliable that he never got called out to help to fix anything. They don't show those anymore. Because I think 40, 50 years ago, manufacturers had a lot of pride in how well made their items were and how this will last you your lifetime. And it's not like that anymore. You know, it's more, it's more to their financial benefit that something breaks down in a couple of years and you replace it and buy a new one. And uh, it's frustrating for consumers. But I think we've, this has been going on so long that we've just kind of been pushed into this that's just the way it is. Oh, yeah, it's broken. I, I have to get a new one. One thing that uh, I keep thinking about is my grand, my mother-in-law's toaster. She passed away a year or so ago, and, uh, you know, the family gathered to take get her house ready to sell and going through the belongings and everything, and she, she had this ancient toaster, this little chrome. Probably weighed a lot. Too. Yeah, heavy duty, and it still makes perfect toast after 40 years. I think it was from the 70s. And I've thrown away three toasters in the last 10 years. And everybody is like, I want the toaster. I want the toaster. That's a great toaster. <laughs> and you can't, you, you, you just, you know, not, nothing that we own right now, my kids are going to say, I want that because it's lasted my whole lifetime. You know, things aren't made to last. It would be nice if people could get away from that, that mm -hmm. idea that things should last longer. And I think that's part of what the, the right to repair movement is about. Do you know what that is? Please tell me. Well, this is so interesting. Well, you can continue to hear more about the Right to Repair movement and Repair Cafe at Your Positive Imprint Podcast Part 2. Thank you for listening to Part 1 of this podcast, Repair Cafe. Music by Chris Knoll. Please leave positive reviews. And you can find me at yourpositiveimprint.com where you can sign up for email updates. I'm also at Facebook and Instagram. Hit that positive button and subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Subscribe now.